Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio, a podcast for public health professionals looking to expand their network, be inspired, and discover resources and tools that help improve the experience of public health professionals and patients in their communities. I'm your host, Fran. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Reach Radio. I am so honored to introduce you to Dr. Miriam Modestin Sarantino, an obstetrician gynecologist in New Jersey. She is also the president of the Middlesex and Mercer Counties Medical Society. And she's joined today with Ed Huko, a healthcare management executive and the executive director of the society. Together, we're going to learn all about the amazing work the society is doing in community outreach, enabling physicians and empowering patients to be able to improve the overall health and well-being of the citizens of the county and influencing on a local, state, as well as national level. Well, without further ado, let's get started. Miriam, Ed, welcome to the show. Hi, friend. Thank Thank you you for having having us. (laughs) You guys are so welcome. (laughs) I'm glad we're able to get together. I had to tell you, this is going to be so much fun. You know, I've been waiting for this program all week, so I'm really excited that we were able to get together. Why don't we go ahead and kick it off? Mary, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and have you sort of describe for us a little bit about your, tell us a little bit about yourself and about the society. Well, um, about myself, I'm not sure where to even start. I was born and raised in Haiti. I came here, I was a senior in high school. I did not speak a word of English. I came here kicking and screaming. It was a decision that my parents made. And I am grateful that they made that decision. I I came to live with my older brother, who was a physician. He was already practicing in Pennsylvania. And uh, finished high school, went to college, med school in Philadelphia. And And you've practiced for how many years now? I want to say over 20 years. Oh, so you've seen a lot of cases. I've seen a lot of cases. (laughs) cases. Yeah. First, you know, BGYN and did maternal fetal medicine, high risk, high risk pregnancies. And when did you come to be uh, the president of the Middlesex and Mercer Counties Medical Society? That was a year ago. Okay. Very nice. You know, it's something that kind of like fell on my lap. And um, it's been a fantastic opportunity, giving me an amazing platform. And I'm still wondering, how do I make the best out of it? Well, the nice thing is, is that you don't have to decide on that alone. You've got amazing people like Ed by your side, right? Ed, why don't you uh, jump right in here and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. I'm a native New Jerseyan. My degrees are in healthcare management. I've run hospitals in New York City, group practices in New Jersey, and I am a retired officer of the United States Navy Medical Service Corps. And was active during Desert Storm. Wow, that is absolutely awesome and really exciting to hear about both of your journeys. You know, as you were mentioning at around the healthcare management side, that can be super challenging. And I know that some of the work that the medical society is focused on is centered around healthcare management. Why don't we explore that a little bit more? Tell me sort of what some of the areas that you all are addressing. Maybe if you, Mary, if you want to start for us, tell us a little bit about those. And then Addy you could add a few more. That would be wonderful. Sure. Uh, an area of particular interest to me is in terms of maternal mortality, maternal morbidity, and more specifically with obesity. And obesity is that one, as I see it, the trunk of the tree 
when we consider all of the chronic illnesses that are driving healthcare costs up to $1.7 trillion per year, if I recall correctly, that was documented by the Milken Institute. So obesity is, it's a significant issue that I wish we spent more time addressing. I could see why you would. That is quite devastating. And is that amongst the areas of focus that the society is sort of championing? So public health and public health awareness? Sure. So what we did, I don't know if you're aware, we wrote this resolution because as as an alternate delegate to the AMA, myself and my colleagues who were able, we drafted a resolution that we submitted to the Medical Society of New Jersey. And that's a resolution that the Board of Trustees of the American Medical Association actually endorsed. And we are waiting to see what further steps are going to be required. It was a resolution whose goal was to help confront obesity on a national level. So that's something that we've been able to do as a medical society. I think that's wonderful. But and of course, that shows up in a couple of different ways. Right. I mean, one is focused obviously directly on patients and communities and promotion of, you know, lifestyle behavioral choices that are better um, for individuals. But I would presume it also has to show up in healthcare management and administration. Ed, from your perspective, as you think about the types of activities that the society is participating in, and perhaps even carrying on with the example that Miriam has provided, what would you say are some of the ways in which you're going about influencing? Well, as the county society, part of our responsibility is to make sure information gets funneled down to our members. There are, variety, there are changes every week of state laws, federal laws, different requirements that we must be. Healthcare is an extremely regulated. Called an industry, it's a service industry, but still an industry. And part of our job is to make sure that our members, the physicians and the administrators who run their practices are aware of the changes that either have been implemented or are coming down the pike as well as help them to address with the legislative side of the state to try to make those new rules as easy to work with as possible and not be detrimental to one, the practice of medicine and the physician's ability to provide appropriate and correct medical care to our patients, because ultimately it's the patients who are the most important part of the process. Well, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's it's all done to serve them. Right. So, you know, our listeners are public health professionals like yourselves. So if you were sort of to kind of make this a little bit real in terms of the challenges that are being faced, particularly from the perspective of, a, of the society itself, how would you describe some of those challenges? So when it comes to obesity, overweight and obesity, I think there is a stigma in having that conversation. I think that this is something, this is an important conversation that we need to have. I think everyone knows that we should exercise, we should eat healthy, but I'm surprised that there is a gap in the awareness as to why that is so important. I think that so many 
do not realize that obesity is associated with over 230 medical conditions, 13 cancers. I mean, to me, that gives me a pause. So as physician, I think that we can do a better job raising your awareness when we have those conversations with our patients. I think it's going to be important for us to be able to do it in a non-judgmental fashion with empathy. But I also think that it's not enough for us to ask our patient to go home, eat less and exercise. I think there is a lot that can be done to make it easier for our patients to live a healthier lifestyle. I don't know if that answered the question that you asked. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think it uh, does reflect like some of the challenges that are being faced, right? And trying to create for behavioral change and outcome, you know, an improvement in outcomes. How does that then further translate into, you know, the challenge for the society? For example, do you oftentimes have to take in consideration whether your focus is going to be on some of the more regulatory policy administrative aspects as Ed has referred to, or whether perhaps allocation of budgets go directly towards community-based initiatives and working with community-based organizations. How do you create for that balance and deciding on, okay, priorities, right? Because certainly obesity is one major disease that contributes to multiple others, but there are also other disease states for which you might choose for, elect for those to be you know, the area that you champion. So how do you go about the decision-making in terms of priorities and, and where you put your resources in the community, whether directly in community or in with physicians? I think what you have to look at, though, is this is a two-tier approach. You have the state society and then you have the county mm-hmm. societies. The state society itself is more equipped to handle the regulatory parts of things, of working with the 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 elected leaders in Trenton and the different agencies where the county society is more directed to local. We have a better, what are issues possibly in Mercer, Middlesex County may be very, very different than the issues either in Burlington County or all the way up north in Sussex County. You're talking different populations, different demographics. So on a county side, you're dealing more with the direct health care with patients, where on the state society, you're dealing more with the regulatory. The county is feeding into the state society on regulatory, our thoughts, but they're handling that part and feeding information down to us. We're dealing more, dealing directly with our local hospitals and other healthcare entities to try to meet those other needs. And then last year, for example, we we had, uh, in order to help raise awareness about obesity, the health risk associated with obesity, that was one of our area of focus for a fall activity, right? Where I uh, talked a little bit about the maternal risk and we also had an endocrinologist that came in to speak and a cardiologist. So it was a multidisciplinary talk that we had. It was well attended. And um, from a community perspective, we are looking at spearheading some jump rope competitions in school to try to get kids active, because we all know that physical activity goes a long way in helping to improve mental health. And jump ropes are such an easy tool that kids can utilize to become healthy. So that's something that we are in the process of spearheading as a society. 
I love that. Absolutely love it. Now, I presume that this is one of multiple areas that your organization, your society is championing, right? Can you tell me about some of the other programs, maybe some that you are in the process of launching that you'd like for others to know about? Sure. And uh, some of it has to do with the physician morale, especially as we emerge from the pandemic. It's been tough for healthcare providers, for physicians that have been on the forefront. And I think some of the challenges that I see that many of my colleagues have experienced is that physicians, they've not been at the table for some of the key decisions that have impacted the way we practice medicine. And we've not been at the table. It's a very complex reason as to why we've not been at the table. But one of them is that physicians, they've not been leading And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've been focusing on taking care of patients, but also we have not been taught how to lead. And because uh, of that gap, you know about Mark Hurtling, right? And the book that he wrote on on growing physician leaders. And that kind of spearheaded inviting retired general Mark Hurtling to come in and uh, in an attempt of moving the needle and helping inspire our physicians to become leaders. Because physicians want to lead, we just don't know how to lead. So that's another, you know, about our event. And thank you for to Reach for sponsoring that event. You're so welcome. But tell us, what is this event and when is this event? That event is going to be on April 27th. Mm-hmm. And um, and that event is known as Leadership in Medicine? Leadership in Medicine, Leadership in Medicine, and empowering our physicians to become, to lead and improve our healthcare, right? It was born out of an idea, and uh, it was one idea. There was the CEO of Princeton. His name is James Dimitriades. He is a naval officer, I want to say. Clearly a great leader and he embraced the idea. And we had Dr. Rao at St. Peter's also embracing the idea. And uh, other members of the societies, they embraced the idea. Oh my goodness, Ed, you being naval as well, you must be super excited. I think he was nervous at first. No, very nervous, actually. <laughs> but yes, it's, it has been a very interesting travel last couple of months getting this thing set up. It's mm-hmm. very uh, stress. It has been <laughs> stressful, but uh, we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm happy to say it's not an oncoming freight train. <laughs> I love it. You know, and as um, as a healthcare, you know, management leader yourself, I'm sure that there are probably some top, you know, attributes of leadership that you think are really pertinent to making for the, the success of, you know, operationally running an organization, but also in terms of ensuring the well-being of the clinical teams. What are your thoughts on that, Ed? And How do you hope to see that coming up and some of the conversation that's going to take place at the event on the 27th? Um, To be perfectly honest with you, I'm trying to keep my mind open. I want to hear what General Hurtling has to say and keep my mind open to new ideas. Because if we aren't learning new things, we're regressing. I love that. So that's almost I'm I'm putting I'm writing that down as number one on the attributes, keeping an open mind and being yeah willing to learn something new. And that's very important, right? And I would guess then, uh, Mary, that that's equally part of the challenge, right? I mean, that to have been taught with, you know, a school of 
medicine and a particular approach in and of itself. And now being, being asked to add onto that entirely new set of skill sets, do you think that, that this will be right for all? Where do you see the opportunity being for every end of the practitioner um, spectrum in terms of embracing leadership? As Ed pointed out, I think it is extremely important to keep an open mind, right? And with the challenge that I see with medicine, we spent four years learning the science of medicine, and then we graduate from medical school. We are expected to be leaders. But I think that unless very few of us, most of us, do not really fully appreciate what it means to be a leader, and that leadership, it means to be of service, Right. And to the ability to be able to look at any problem from someone else's perspective, I think is exceedingly crucial. Something that I wish that we took more time to pause and be able to look at every issue from someone else's, from somebody else's lens. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I'm curious to know, as you uh, you sort of alluded to, you've got a lot of support for this, but let's talk a little bit more broadly. I mean, here you are, you've got programs that are focused in on the development and the enrichment of whole person physicians. And on the upper end, you have programs that are really designed to be able to cultivate the betterment of the community and public health. Who are some of the broader stakeholders within the county and perhaps across county that you are collaborating with that are really instrumental in the work that you're doing? More specifically to what? Just both of those, right? This, you've got these programs that you're doing that are, that you're sort of steerheading that are focused on the development and enrichment of your physician population. And equally, you have these programs that you're running that are also focused in on awareness, population health education and promotion. Can you just share with us some of the key stakeholders that are involved in the work that you're doing? It takes a village. village. It's a village, friend. I think you yourself have been such a wonderful mentor. Uh, Thank you for all, you know, for all your help. I kind of look at it somewhat differently. Everyone is a stakeholder from a different, each person from a different perspective. Patients are ultimate stakeholders because they're the ones who are getting the treatment who need the treatment. Physicians are stakeholders because they're the ones who are providing the treatment, hopefully in a positive and appropriate manner. You have others who in the, in the industry, everybody's a stakeholder in one way or another. This is one case where nobody's not a stakeholder if you look at the whole universe of healthcare. Sure. At the same time, I think that hospital administrators, I think they play a crucial role. And I have to say that if it was not for the support of various administrators, as I mentioned, Ms. Uh, James Dimitriades at Princeton and Dr. Brown and other Dr. Salowitz, and just to name a few, supporting this idea and gathering further support I don't think that this would have been possible. And then all of our sponsors. I think that that's fair. I'm just, I'm wondering too, like, for example, and I think Eddie brings up an excellent point in terms of, okay, at the end of the day, we're all stakeholders. There's something for everyone uh, to gain from the work that's being done. But for example, with patients, right? Patients individually, it's very difficult for them to have a voice, but collectively 
then you have something more that you can work with on the level of a society, right? Because you're an associate, you're an organization, right? An association that's out there doing, again, doing amazing work. But in terms of counterparts who represent the interests of those patients, are there any particular groups or associations that you find yourselves working to, to ensure that you're understanding the voice of those stakeholders, such as as patients, or perhaps, you know, if you've got diversity amongst your physician population, are there, you know, there are other associations or societies that represent the special interest of certain groups of physicians or practitioners that you tend to find yourself working with or with that, or with whom you'd like to see yourselves working with? I think we, you know, right now we're just emerging from the pandemic. And again, I um, only became the president last year. But certainly what you bring up is an important point. It's I think there is certainly great opportunity for us to collaborate so that we can share some of our patients' concern and then see how we can better serve them. I think it's very important for us to listen. Ed brought out, I think he was alluding to personal responsibility. And I think personal responsibility is exceedingly important, but we're not going to change people, Right. I would suggest looking at uh, the challenges that we face from a different perspective, rather from the perspective of the societal responsibility. What is it that we as a society, with all of the amazing resources that we have, with all of the talent that we have, how do we make living a healthy lifestyle more affordable, more accessible? What is it? Are we doing enough? So what else can we do as physician, as physician extenders, as administrators, as nurses, are we all doing the best? And legislators, are we all doing the best that we can with all of those amazing resources that we have to make this better ultimately for our patients? These are all great questions. And as you reflect upon them and look towards the future, because we are moving into an a new space, a new time now at which we have an opportunity to sort of take from the learnings of the past Mm -hmm. two years, two and a half years. What are some of the things that you're most looking forward to? For me, it's uh, really reflecting on the pandemic and what we've learned from the pandemic to appreciate how much we've taken for granted and that the pandemic has taken away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of freedom. We take that for granted. And in an instant, that was taken away from us, right? Indeed. Our ability to hug, our ability to be with our loved ones, our ability to go to Disney, all of that was taken away. Or even having time to grieve, right? There really wasn't a lot of time for that. There was no time to grieve. So for us to appreciate and be humble that there is just so much that we take for granted and that was done in an instant, Right. And using that to be grateful for what we still have and to utilize that gratitude for hope and to be able to use that and be part of making it better is what I'm hoping for. Absolutely. Making it better is so key. And Ed, would you like to add anything additional to that? One thing I would add to that, and I don't know if this will happen, but I think it's important for us to look at what happened and to see where we made mistakes. We're humans, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And look to see where we made mistakes because I'm not so sure that this 
pandemic will never happen again. In fact, I'm almost sure it will. Oh, well, that's exactly the right. If yeah. Don't learn from the mistakes we've made. We're going to repeat them and we're going to repeat them even worse. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that in the warm light of day, we can sit down and forgetting about the politics, mm-hmm. look about, okay, how can we, what could we have done better? I absolutely love that. And I cannot believe that we are out of time. Mm-hmm. This has gone so quickly because it's been so amazing. Mary, I'm going to ask you a question around a resource or, or a tool or reference that you love for others to know about. And you can add your last remaining remarks to that as you share Share with us something you want to press upon our listeners. I always reflect on missed opportunities. And as Ed pointed out, uh, if we made mistake, what could we have done better? And why didn't we do better? And what can we learn from that? Right. And if we are not doing better, what is stopping us from doing better? Is it fear? And what are we afraid of? And when I think about a resource, it's uh, for me, it's really the lack of awareness. How do we improve awareness? How do we regain trust in some of our institutions that are that should be there for us? How do we as physicians regain the trust of our patients? That's beautiful. So the patients themselves become a source of or resource, right? And how do we become about people? Yes, I love that. Ed, do you have an additional resource, a tool or methodology you'd like to share? My only, the only resource that I would want to share is that individuals, regardless of whatever area in healthcare they're in, should become members and avail themselves of the tools of their various professional organizations, whether it's the medical society of their state, or if they're an administrator, whether it's the American College of Healthcare Executives or the Medical Group Management Association, it really doesn't make any difference, but they can become members and involved mm-hmm. in their, at least in their local associations, because if nothing else, that's a resource where no one has ever come up with a problem that someone else hasn't already seen. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to not reinvent the wheel. I think it's important to be involved. Absolutely important to be involved. And what a phenomenal addition in terms of resource to leverage your your local medical societies. Again, I cannot believe how quickly the time has gone by. Absolutely enjoyed this conversation. I'd like to thank both of you, Miriam and Ed, for your time today. And thank you to our listeners. Well, thank you, friend. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing and that Reach is doing. Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio. This program is made possible by listeners like you. To learn more about Reach and to support this program, visit www.reachtl.org.